Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Para Podcast. I'm this week's host. My name is John, also known as Forty Twenty. Joining me are my good mates, Bertie. Hi guys. <laughs> and and Ham. I am here. And we're coming off a, a real downer. Uh, Eels falling to the West Tigers on Easter Monday, 21-20, to 20, care of a cracking Jackson Hastings field goal shot. Probably the best one he's ever struck in his career. Uh, let's get right into it, boys. Uh, that 21-20 to 20 loss against the West Tigers. Eels starting real flat. Tigers getting the opening try care of Luciano Lua, followed up by David Nofaluma double. Camamalo scoring in the 48th minute. Uh, Luke Brooks and Jackson Hastings combining to go two from four from the kicking tee with that aforementioned Hastings field goal. Crucial giving them the one-point buffer. For the Eels, Quinton Gufferson started the scoring, followed by Uzai Papali'i, Reid Marnie, and Murata Niakore. Not a great day for Mitch off the tee either. He was two from four. Missed one that was probably uh, very kickable, I'll say, uh, to the right of the uprights. But yeah, looking at the key stats here, it paints a very odd picture. Uh, Eels were ahead on possession, 52 to 48%. Time possession, likewise, favoring the Eels by about a minute 20. But the completion rates were down. 30 of 43 for 69% for Parramatta versus 77% for the West Tigers. Most attacking stats favoring the Eels except for line breaks that were five apiece. Eels making a bit more post-contact meters, more tackle breaks, and uh, more runs and run meters. But average play of the ball speed favoring the Tigers by 0.3 of a second. Uh, Tigers getting off 16 offloads of Parramatta's 10. That number actually feels a little bit conservative, honestly. I feel like the Tigers are offloading every other tackle in this game. Yeah, but, uh, there was one play there where they offloaded three times in one tackle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, crucially, though, you look down to the defensive stats, Parramatta down below, way down on their effective tackle rate, 84.2% to West, 87.34%, which isn't particularly fantastic either, sorry. But crucially for Parramatta, they had over 60 combined missed and ineffective tackles, 33 missed, 28 ineffective, uh, versus West's 49 combined uh, ineffective and missed tackles. Just not good enough for a team that we know has high standards in defense. Uh, Eels making a stack more errors in the Tigers, 15-8, to eight, conceding slightly less penalties but giving away more, more ruck infringements so that it sort of evened itself out on the balance of things. Yeah, this this is a game that they're going to go back on the coaches' tape on this one, boys, and they're going to be real dirty on themselves because they played some very, very untidy uh, and very ineffective football. Look, start off, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing the way they lost. It was embarrassing. I, I understand the Tigers would eventually have to win and um... – the, the media and press that they got during the week, you know, probably pumped them up even that little bit more. And, you know, people will come out and say that um, you can't take teams lightly. You can't. There's no easy game in the NRL. I don't agree with that. I think you can take teams lightly. You just – Parramatta just have to change the way that we do take teams lightly. We went out there that, you know, oh, this is going to be an easy game. We're going to score every every set, every play, which is what we tried to do. Instead, what we need to do is, okay, this is going to be an easy game. So, you know, we won't put on all the plays, but we'll get, we'll take our five tackles. We'll get to the kick, see where we are, whether it's an attacking bomb, whether it's a grubber kick in behind, or whether it's a clearing kick. We'll get to our kick, we'll get down there, and we'll defend for the f- next five tackles. That's how Penrith played the Broncos. And then from minutes 50 to 60, they scored three tries, bang, 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 put the, sh- put the Broncos out of it. Panthers, Panthers took the Broncos lightly. So why can't Parramatta take the Tigers lightly? Which is, for me, we've just got to change the way that we take teams lightly. And the, the odd thing is that we've shown we have that blueprint in us. You go back to that Titans game back in 2020 where we played exactly as you described him. We went set for set, built the pressure in the first half. Titans stayed with us on the scoreboard. But when we went to the extra gear in the second half and we started having a better run of possession built on that pressure, we just crushed them. 
So we know we can do this and we've done it like multiple times in recent years, but for whatever reason, just the, the game plan against West was play very reckless, honestly. And, you know, we, we did not prioritize completing our sets and building the pressure uh, and West, you know, ate that up and allowed them to dictate the flow of the game with the second phase football. So yeah, very, very disappointing that whole mentality towards taking on the Tigers there. Uh, Bertie, what was your big takeaway in the one point loss? Um, just a drop ball. I just, I don't get, like, you get, you can't win a game of football in the first 20 minutes or, you know, the first set, but you can still lose it. I just don't get why we're in a rush. And look, I'm not going to say, hey, Brad Arthur needs to go. Right. I'm just saying, he set us up. I think, in my honest opinion, and I'm a, I speak for the, the minority of the minority, if that makes sense. I feel as though naming a fullback and a hooker on the bench with one prop, you just set yourself up for disaster. Because... I'm not saying we lost because of that, but the mindset, like, I just, and I said it earlier today, we compromised three positions instead of one. We should have just, we should have had Hayes on the bet, on the wing. We'll go back to centre. That's where he is. He's played his old junior football. You guys know him. Is he a winger? Can he play wing? And then, uh, and then, and then you have, and then you've got Murata, who's like, okay, okay, look, I'm not saying he's not a good centre. He's much more effective in the middle or even on the edges. So I just feel as though, what was the game plan with Hayes? Like, what was what was Brad Arthur saying Tuesday? Hey, guys, you know, when he's talking to Kidwell and the other assistant coaches, like, how are we going to use Hayes? Is he just there in case of an injury because we've had injuries in the back? I just, I was nervous since we, the whole week. And I just, it just, it was true. We dropped the ball. We disrespected them. You know, I can disrespect them because I'm a fan. I'm not going, I'm not a professional athlete, but they dis- disrespected them. Sorry, Bert. I'm just, sorry for the dead air there. I'm just trying to look at the, um, the receipts. Here we go. Murata. Okay, uh, it's about the same then. I was just going to say, Murata had 12 receipts out in the centres. Sean Lane had 14 uh, in the second row, and Isaiah Publi had 18 in the second row. So it's sort of similar numbers, but I, what you're saying there, like, Murata, you saw him at the end of the match. He was just powering through the defence. Like, you bring him on, like, that's that's Murata's bread and butter. Like, you bring him on late in the, you know, give him 30 minutes off the bench, and, like, he's just going to power every run. I mean, you like Tony Staggs, right? The first five weeks of competition, what was everyone saying? He doesn't get the ball. He doesn't get the ball. You're not going to get the ball as a center or winger. No, so why why give one of our most damaging runners like less opportunity? I just yeah. oh, I, I, I think you, I think you make a salient point about the backline construction, Bertie. I think that uh, I mean to some extent you're sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't. When you're down that many backline players like we are, there is there is no optimal solution but I do agree that keeping Will Penasini in the centres and then building around that would have probably been the more straightforward common sense approach but the bench construction is a little bit difficult for the Eels this in, in, in this current period because obviously putting Murata back to the bench helps there but that final spot's been a bit troublesome for the Eels because I know a lot of people have been banging the drums for Bryce Cartwright but the, there's been some real bad of the good that came there obviously he had that incredible try assist against the Dragons but by the same token he also let Tarek Sims just waltz through and score a try I have to imagine that wouldn't have sat too well with the coaches. But yeah, we're, we're also down a lot of middles. Like Offahiki Ogden was probably our form middle and he's out for un, unforeseen period of time with a shoulder injury that we're not sure of the severity. Um, William McGregor's had some good moments, but defensively he's still got some issues there. So yeah, the, the bench would have been boosted by having uh, Murata on there, no doubt. But that final spot's really eluding the eels to find a man that can contribute consistently. Yeah, and that's where like, you know, Stony going off. Yeah, uh, he was field. he was just the perfect guy, wasn't he? Like really, in like that, that role. Even a Will Smith, because these guys, I think that you know, 
I, 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 I like utility on the bench, but that utility needs to be able to play dummy half. Yeah, not a fullback. No. Nah. And like, I- just you're moving players around. And I just think, you know, if you've got a, if you've, they don't even have to, like, Stoney was not the best dummy half. He'd even admit that. But, you know, he was yeah. able to just get the ball to pass to someone and he was able to make his tackles. That's what you want. Like, if, if, Hayes Perham, like, he can play fullback. He's played in the halves for us. I think I've said it before on here. I think the next project for him. Get some reps at Put him in the dummy half. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you you look at Reg, right? Okay, you can carry one prop on the bench when you have Junior and Reg because they can carve out 60, 70 minutes. But you're putting, you know, three players to cover two positions. You know, are we trusting of, you know, Kafushi to play more than 50 minutes? And then the perfect example, Reg goes down injured. We, we stuck off two props. Like, I understand we didn't lose that because of the game, but... You, you add that in. You add in Will, who's never played wing. You know he. You know he dropped a few passes. Like all these little stuff contributes to the to why we lost, in my opinion. I, I mean, I just, I, I'm, I'm with you in that there was obviously <clears throat> impact in those selections and thereof. But I think this game was just lost from a lack of attention to detail just across the park. And it could have been a full strength backline that we fielded. But the way we approached this game, the way Ham mentioned, just psychologically, we attacked the Tigers was wrong. And I understand your frustrations about play selections and, and the bench construction, but I think that just from a, a systemic level, I think we went around, we went about this game the wrong way. And then, yeah, I, like even at the game, sorry, Bertie, like yeah. even at the game, I didn't think that like the only reason the Tigers were making meters and everything was if we dropped the ball or we gave away a penalty. Like that's the way I saw the Tigers. I don't think that you know I didn't think our forwards were fatigued at any point. I thought maybe Sean Lane and Papa might have been, but. Well, the thing with the thing with Papa was that his errors were there before fatigue was even a factor. Yeah, like he true. Just, He's yeah, what three errors in the first twenty. Yeah, minutes. he he had the worst game I've ever seen him play, and obviously he redeemed himself a bit in the the later parts of the game. But that that was just legitimately the worst game I've ever seen him play. Just really errors that were so bad that I <laughs> thought that the Tigers had to have been stripping the ball out because the ball came out so hard, and mm. yet he he didn't complain at all. So yeah, and you know you talk about ice. Obviously, Reed had a bad game too, but it uh. goes. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the, don't get me started on him. I'm legit. He was redeeming himself, but I'm, I'm completely off him. I don't care about him anymore. And I'm not being sadistic or anything. I'm going to hold him to the harshest judge because I said this, my, my hot take, I think he's playing a bit of hero ball because you can't explain to me in two games, two different games, him ignoring Mitchell Moses for a field goal. That, that is not a, a very important point, Bertie, in that we've been set up for game-winning plays twice and for whatever reason, he has not been on the same page as his halfback. And watching this one at the game, it was brutal because Mitchell Moses is screaming at him to go one more to the posts to set up the you know the fifteen meter chip shot right in front. And he he not only does he ignore it, he passes to Moses on the second last tackle, causing like a, a chaotic scramble to get someone else the ball to let, then forcing Mitch to sprint back into position. So yeah, that that is just brutal as a dummy. Why man. is he kicking? He kicked. In the second half, on third tackle, we were on the 50-meter line. Why are you kicking, mate? You give it to the best kick in the competition. And Just- also, like, and it's also, sorry, Birdie, like, yeah. that's game smarts. Like, you're not kicking a 40-20, so what's the point of kicking early? You're kicking third tackle. Like, we've got to roll on. We're going to be putting up an attacking kick. Get get two, you know, two more forwards in there, bust it up. We're going to be on the 30-meter line of the... In, in a game where West didn't really want to be defusing Mitchell Moses' bombs, too. There was many... Balls that went to ground. Yeah, exactly. And like, that's where, yeah, you just think, like, what are you, what are you doing there, Reed? And, the, and the, even the 40 20, like, I'm pretty sure we had no, there was no markers there that play. 
He had Gutherson on his hip. Either give it to Gutho or take the run yourself. Mm. Like, don't go for the 40. Okay, okay, you kick it. Well, we hadn't been scoring, so like we're probably not going to score. I would rather play the percentage play, take it up the middle, make 10 metres, you'll get another quick play of the ball, then Gutho will go for a scoot and we'll see where we are there. But even, even Gutho... we the line anyway. Even Gutho had a moment of about six or seven minutes left where he swept down the left and put a grubber kick in that rolled yeah. dead. These are the moments you need to be ceding control to your halfback. Yeah. You know, Mitchell Moses, I know it sounds like you're pumping up or gassing up Moses too much, but that is why he's your, you know, your halfback is for that moment to set up for the field goal. And yeah. yeah or just, you play the hot hand at the moment, Dylan Brown. Yeah, mm. that, that's a great point too, is that, you know, Dylan with that, that wicked left foot step and his ability to beat the first defender, uh, why aren't you trailing off his hip? Yeah. You know, that's that's where you got to have – like, just, just think about the game for a second. And, like, I think that's where I love Gutho. Call him the king. Every time he returns the ball, I yell it, run it up hard guts. I just do – I love him. I love him as a player. I think he's fantastic. But he typifies what I was saying before about trying to score every play. You know what? In a game probably against Melbourne – where you might get bogged down a little bit, his energy and his willingness to put himself into a position to score, very good. In a game against the Tigers where you just want to take a step back, take a breather, just, you know, complete at 80%, probably not the right mindset that and we need from I think captain and fullback. It's just as simple as the Parramatta Eels need to mentally create a space where they can change those gears depending on their opponent. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not shitting on Guffo, right? I'm not saying demote him. <clears throat> He is the captain, but this is Moses' team. Just like in Penrith, Isaiah Yeo is the captain, but who runs the show? Cleary. At the end of the day, he Moses will dictate. Where, Moses and Brown will dictate whether or not we're going to win a game or not. Now we're going to. Now you can have Guffer. He could be the X factor. But you look at like even the we're talking about the um, Reed kicking early. If you set yourself up for an attacking kick, look at the try. Murata um, scores. Moses bombs it. Bailey Thompson, brilliant mate. He's redeemed himself. Back back I, I was actually I was actually going to touch on Bowie next, Bertie, but that's a yeah, yeah. good point. But like that, what's wrong with an attacking kick? Like Moses nails them. I just feel as though we have a lot of players out there who think they can be halfbacks. We've got two halfbacks. You stay a fullback. You stay a hooker. That's it. No, that that's that's fair. Um, very fair actually. Um, but where where I was going to go next is that this is a game much like the Cronulla one, where I think you're going to look back and you'll see this is probably going to be West's best performance or close to of their season, much like St. George last year at almost the same time of the year uh, because they, they were certainly up for this game. They played some free-flowing football. They obviously had a bit of a, a reshuffle in the hierarchy of their playmakers with Jackson Hastings running a lot of the show. Uh, but you go through the Parramatta lineup, and, and you, we already mentioned Bally Simonson, but you can see some fair individual performances where they played well, but just as a, as a team, it wasn't there, wasn't it? Because Bailey obviously had a great game. Will Penasini, despite his struggles defensively on the wing, put up some excellent numbers. He had a stack of tackle breaks, eight plus a, a whole ton of meters on the wing, nearly 150 from just 13 carries. We already talked about Murata. Dylan was fantastic. Uh, you know, in the back row, I thought Ryan Madison playing that sort of hybrid, uh, not really edge, but not really middle role, was good off the bench too. So that the, there are guys across the team that put in. But it comes back to that idea that you both sort of spoke about in, in different portions about the wrong methodology against the wrong opponent and the wrong guys overplaying their hands at the at the wrong opportunities. So it's just a lot of this feels like it's mental for Parramatta and it's just about tidying that up. And I can cop a loss if they do learn from it. Yeah. Look, well, West Tigers like- deserve it. West Tigers deserve that win. Without, I'm not disrespecting. They deserved it. 
Yeah, no, they, they played. They had been bashed all, or they've been bashed pretty much all preseason. They've been bashed up until now. Um, they had made a few changes. They made a few other changes before kickoff, and they come in and they wanted to win this game. And like when Parramatta, like a high, a high placing team, as I said before, should be taking the Tigers lightly. And I don't, I don't disagree with our mindset of uh, playing low intensity. I agree with that hundred percent. But when you know Parramatta play low intensity, and the team they come up against play high intensity. Like it is going to be a much closer game, and hey, you know, we, we despite us playing absolute dog shit, one point game, one po- and we nearly won it. Well, like I said, the, I'm, I'm not saying it's a positive for Parramatta. I'm saying that as a negative towards the Tigers. It it, it comes back to that game against Cronulla too, of people being you know talking up as a a real contender this year. Parramatta played a shocking game, and Cronulla still prevailed by what two points? It, and yeah. on the bell, and on the bell. Yeah. So the the Eels at their worst. Are still a cut above pretty much every team in the competition almost. So that that's a good thing. As as frustrating as it is to have the loss, it, what what will separate the Eels potentially from their previous seasons is can they learn from that? Can they start raising that floor as much as their ceiling in order to take these games that they should be banking? So that that's going to be the challenge for the boys. I don't think we can waste too much time, too much more time discussing this one, boys, because this is a combined preview review podcast. Is there any other final thoughts on this game before we close the books on it? Um, oh, positives. Bailey Simons, as you said, Bertie, Bailey Simonson starting to come into his own. Um, so, yeah, like, good good on him. I, I was off, right off him from first trial match. And he's playing playing like Bailey Simonson should play. He's a, he's a, little, he's a little nugget in contact, isn't he? He always, yeah. always falls forwards, finds the sort of the, the T2 area between tackles, that arm space rather than the shoulders, which is a really good uh, uh, running technique. And there was a couple of times where the West Tigers kick chase was nearly found out by him. If he just had that one pass at the last moment, he could have created, potentially created something special. But really happy to see Bailey finding his feet on the right wing. Uh, near Sellout Stadium, you know, you know, we've got great support. We've got the best fan base in the league. Like, can you imagine any other fan base that go through the amount of crap and highs and lows that we've gone through and we still, you know, turn out big numbers? And it was good to see, you know, the the um, some pass plays I've never heard of, you know, to be honest. There's some, you know, some players like as much as I hate Dennis Fitzgerald's, you know, it's good to see him there as well in the in the tunnel. But yeah, you know, was, um, I'm sure Ham would say it was a great atmosphere at the game. You know, unbelievable and yeah. Uh, pre kickoff, yes. <laughs> oh yeah, pre kickoff, yeah. Um, I, you know, if if we sort of, you know, we've got two re- relatively easy games coming up and two relative tough games before the next home game. But uh, uh, if what I heard from some termites, those that come out of the woodwork. If I heard their comments, I'm not sure how much they'll be turning up, which, you know, I still think the best crowd we've ever had was 10,000 in the pouring rain against uh, the Melbourne Storm in 2010. I think there was even less, it was 7,000. It was the best crowd I've ever been in because it was the diehard Parramatta fans that were there through thick and thin and uh, just cheered their hearts out and beat some uh, cheating scum in from Melbourne. (laughs) All righty, let's uh, let's move on, boys. Uh, I've got a few more games to Review from the weekend. Unfortunately, we're going to start off with another loss. Howard Matthews going down in a sudden death final to the Cronulla Sharks to the tune of 28-4. Sharks starting red hot in this game, getting out to a, a 12-0 lead, but they also scored within uh, 60 seconds of care of Jason Tuagamala, Tua, Tua sorry, Jace, uh, followed by Alex Chalinor, Richard Walbone, Jasper Catton, and Lachlan Aralo. Chevy Stewart going four from five from the kicking tee for the Eels. It was a lone try to Michael Gabriel. Fantastic little solo effort in the second half that gave us a glimmer of hope, Ham, uh, before the Sharks shut the door on us uh, with the, the Catton try. This one, 
it was tough watching. Unfortunately for the boys, they've been trending upwards and upwards. Had a real fantastic surge post uh, La Nina uh, downpour, and then they saved their worst for last. Yeah, disappointing. Um, they've sort of been an up and down team, or well, I say up and down team. They've been fairly up consistently, sort of to the back half of the year. Um, but I think yeah, they just sort of don't know what went wrong in that last game. They just sort of forgot how to play. Uh, I'm not sure if it was nerves or what it was, but uh, there's a couple of guys in there that I think, you know, they might follow the Ethan Sanders, Charlie Geimer trajectory where they just completely skip SG ball um, and find themselves in Jersey flag. Mm -hmm. That's definitely a space to watch as we head towards 2023 for them. Uh, But speaking of Jersey flag, big comeback victory for the Parramatta Eels on the weekend. This one was out at Kellyville Park on Saturday, taking on the West Tigers. Uh, Eels down in a 28 to... Uh, let's quick, quick checking the score here. I think they were down 28 12 at one point and then stormed home 30 to 28, obviously scoring all those unanswered points. Uh, there was a whole stack of changes before the kickoff ham that were a big boost for this team. They've been running on fumes last couple of games, just massively depleted on players, but they welcomed back this week uh, Captain Corey Fenning, Dantore Louie, Ethan Sanders, uh, Peter Tateo, uh, Terrell Williams. Yeah, Terrell Williams on the flank. Yep, one of their first choice wingers. Um, I dare say that Moala Graham Taffer is starting to find his feet too at the club. Jabril Kalachi has got a couple of games under his belt too, so that's obviously a big boost to the back line. And it's a real good-looking back line now looking at this team, actually. But a uh, big comeback win for the boys. That's the sort of stuff. Obviously, you don't want to concede 28 points, but the conviction to get yourself back into that game and win it with a bit of time to spare is a really good sign for this team after a, a tough loss or two. Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, I was set to go to this game, and then Good Friday happened, and chocolate Easter eggs happened, <laughs> and uh, all all t- too much food happened, and I just I went, oh, that's right, the game's on, and I was just, you know, it was it was a a tough one to watch while you're watching the match center because it doesn't load, so you're going, oh, is my is my internet down? Then you refresh yeah, it, and up, it goes back. Yeah, the updates are real spotty. Exactly, a wind back time, and then there'll be tries awarded at the wrong time based on the context of the game. But uh, speaking of the tries, let's quickly go through the scorers for the Eels. Ethan Sanders opened the scoring in the fourth minute. Dontori Lewis scoring two. Uh, big Larry Magatuti off the bench. Jabril Kalachi, Nicholas Lanaz. They're the five tries scores the Eels. Thankfully, Corey Fenning flaws from the kicking tee. The difference on the day. Uh, yeah, so a lot of young guys scoring there. Jabril, Larry, Dantore, Ethan. Um, and looking at those highlights here, they were posted up today. It looked like Dantore had a pretty handy game again, and he's been a really nice acquisition for Parramatta. Sort of when he came across, he was billed as a bit of a touch footy player. But he seems really coachable. He's playing within the structure set by um, Coach Simon Wolford really comfortably. Yeah, I think and the mark of a good player, at their, especially these young ages, is how much tries they score. And Ethan Sanders and Dantre Louis. They're, they're scoring pretty much every week. Like these two are real – they're real players. And like that might be a cliche or whatever, but I think these two, we've got something in them. And you, you mentioned the young guys. Um, all of them, but Dantere, are all SG eligible eligible this year. Which is crazy, yeah. And so, a lot of those guys were in flag well before SG ball was a washout for us. So shows you that the club is definitely trying to prioritise individual player development fast track towards NRL. Uh, which is, I suppose, the big goal, wasn't it? Absolutely. That's that's what you want as first graders. You don't necessarily need, oh, well, junior championships come as a byproduct of that. But, you know, if you're giving that up and you've got some players playing a couple of years up or one year up, well, then that's a good thing. And I think, um, you know, there's a New South Wales Cup spot open for some of these boys. And uh, even with players dropping back and whatever, you know, I think especially Dantere, you talk about him and like, was 20 years old? 
I think so. I think so. Yeah, he, he has been a real pleasant revelation. Like I said, the sort of the the talk coming into it was he's a bit of a you know play fast touch football style stuff. He'll he'll you know run the ball really nicely, but kind of operate within the structure. When the reality is he has been I don't I don't know if it's because Simon Wolford's worked magic or he was just mislabeled, but Dontori's been very very consistent. Uh, yeah, as absolutely. well as being explosive, like the really good traits to have in a, a young playmaker. Yeah, I think there, there's a spot for him, even if he comes off the bench in um, New South Wales Cup. And speaking of the Cup, boys, it wasn't all doom and gloom on Easter Monday. The curtain raiser out at Combank Stadium was the Eels taking on the, well, the Western Suburbs Magpies, whichever way they call themselves across the grades. It's Magpies in this one, and it's Tigers and some others, and it's West Tigers and others. But uh, Eels absolutely rolling the Magpies to the tune of 40 to 10. Uh, Matthew Komalafe going one, two, three on the scoreboard. The first three tries all his way, getting an early hat trick, followed by Ellie Osgaham, Jack Williams, Samuel Loizu, and Jaden Yates. You talk about young guys scoring tries, Ham. Plenty of young players there. Jordan Rankin almost flawless from the tee. Uh, he missed his first conversion off the uprights uh, from out wide, but he did go six from seven for the rest of them. Uh, and for the West Magpies, it was Junior Tupo scoring a double down their left. Ben Stefanovic scoring just one conversion from the two. This was a really good game. I mean, they just played some great football. Yeah, absolutely. And like, as we pointed out, uh, some great stats, individual stats there. But this team's last. They're obviously last for a reason. They dropped some players down. Ollie Gildart, um, who else did they have? Tyrone Peachy dropped mm-hmm. down from first grade. Alex Safarf played. Alex Safarf Jacob did Little. play. Jacob Little played. Um, that's, for, I mean, that's a lot of NRL experience. Yeah, and like a lot of ex-Eels players in there, funnily Lee enough. Key, Joe Tapari, Austin Diaz. Uh, anyone on the bench? Atasi James. James. Yep. Yep. So, um, so yeah, I, you know, I thought Joey Taipari, always been a fan of young Joe, um, thought he had a good game. But for Parramatta, uh, the young ones off the bench really surprised me. Like, this was Luke Marie's breakout game for mine. He just, every hit up he was taken, he was absolutely charging into the defense. Um, and young Tavita, oh, I'm going to stuff his name, Tamo Penu. I think um, I think that's roughly how I've got it pegged, but apologies to me if we did get it wrong. But yeah, sorry, mate. Acquired from um, South Sydney, I believe him. Could have done. I think to me, I think to me, did come to his care of South Sydney. He and he's flag eligible, and he's really starting to find his feet in the cup. Been real solid last couple of weeks off the bench. Yeah, absolutely. And like this game, I just went, oh, geez, who's that coming on? Like I've only seen him a couple of times, but he's a big boy and he he loves the contact. So yeah, and I just had a look. He has come across from South Sydney New South Wales Cup. There you go. Played eight games for their New South Wales Cup team last year. And then looking at the starting team, I mean, I was really impressed by Brendan Hands getting a, a rare full game at dummy half pretty much. Had some really nice control. But you mentioned it before, talking to me off the mic or off the, off the live mic, that you know he had a fantastic platform, all his forwards running for 10 metres plus per carry. Uh, you know, Playing into that was Ellie Osgerham, who was outstanding on the right edge, broke plenty of tackles, scored a good try, had 180-something metres from, I think, 16 or 17 carries. Real big tone setting there. And then the halves played well off that. Uh, Jake Arthur setting up a, a wonderful try to complete Matthew Gomalafi's hat-trick. Jack Williams scoring a nice try himself. So, yeah, and, and in the back line, Sini and Loizu both very productive. So good to see a team that's absorbed a lot of the NRL pressure in terms of injuries and then their own injuries, and they're still getting results. And I think they finished this round in fourth as a result. Yes, it is fourth. There you go. So trailing the Bears, Panthers, and Jets. So yeah, that was a nice way to start the day. Unfortunately, the result in the NRL going the wrong way. But that's an end to the review portion of the podcast. Let's head across to the news, boys. Uh, just a couple of things to talk about this week. Uh, let's start with the bad. Uh, there is a new addition to the injury ward. 
He made one game back from his calf strain, so he was suspended, picked up a calf strain and was out for a number of weeks, comes back, has a good game against the West Tigers, and then hurts his hamstring. Murata Niakore is out indefinitely right now. That is a gut punch. Yeah, especially the way he played. Um, we need his intensity and energy off the bench. Yeah. Yep. So, that, I mean, we just have to wait and see what the TBA is on his return. It could just be a couple of weeks as they wait scans, but unfortunately right now it is indefinite, or TBA rather. Uh, there is also some concerns surrounding Reagan Campbell-Gillard and a potential ankle injury. He is on the report, but NRL Physio did mention that there, you know, there could be some lingering effects there. We'll have to wait and see there. You know why he wasn't injured as bad? Because he's not an outside back. <laughs> <laughs> Legit, Murata plays center, first game back, out. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it is a real funky thing going on for Parramatta. And I know we, we moaned about our mentality and methodology against the West Tigers, but I, I do think the club has done, the boys have done a fantastic job absorbing so much pressure from these injuries. It is actually ridiculous. When you look at the injury toll and what they've had to do in terms of reshuffles, we've had four official different back lines now as of this team was Tuesday this week. But that doesn't also factor in the in-game injuries to guys like Tom Opechik, uh, uh, Will Penasini getting HIA against Melbourne, and, uh, against the Titans, sorry, and all the reshuffles we've had to be doing in the back line there. They're, they're absorbing a lot, and they're doing pretty well considering. We had a dummy half problem last year. Now, this is just a, a <laughs> yeah. winger. I just, uh, you know, we're having... And no one's mentioning it all. Like, I'm not asking for sympathy, but... Well, like the people say, our oh, parent play bad, mate. We're playing with centers and wings Incredibly and back rowers and centers, resources. and yeah, exactly. Yeah, physio is getting a lot, lot of workout, mate. <laughs> uh, on on a brighter note, it was seventy five years of the Parramatta Eels this week, going back to nineteen forty seven against the Newtown Jets, where I suppose fittingly we lost that game, much like we lost the game against the West Tigers this week. But the club celebrated that last Thursday for a big luncheon for all their key players members, contributors uh, that are still around, obviously, uh, and had that out there at the stadium, I believe, had current players joining in there, which was nice to see the club celebrating its history. Uh, I don't know if you boys uh, got any any of the uh, stories from the Parramatta Eels across the week, but they were talking about some of the most defining moments in the history of the club. You know, a big milestone for the club. Yeah, look, deaf taxes and us not handling milestones. You know, can you remember a milestone we hey, actually handled? We've, actually, we've like, actually been pretty good in recent years in terms of player milestones, 50, 100, 150, et cetera. But, yeah, a real disappointing, unfortunately, to not go out and cap a, a big week of celebrations for winning against the Tigers. But, hey, you know, 75 years of a club is, is a pretty cool thing. It's essentially an old boys' day for us. Like, you look at Newcastle when they have it, they're growing arm and a leg, and I bet you it's probably old boys this week. But like it, it just, is against us. <laughs> oh, it always is, you know. And yeah, I just, I don't know. It's just, as I said, I, I tweeted out, look, I'm not, I'm not upset that we lost to Tigers. I just, you know, the people in attendance, you know, I wish we had a better performance to cheer them up. But yeah. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And then a last little bit of intrigue for the Parramatta Eels, having their name linked in the player market, and this time it's to an outside back, but I don't think it's for 2022, unfortunately. Uh, Herbie Farmworth in the middle of a tug of war between the the Dolphins, sorry. And the Brisbane Broncos, uh, Eels have apparently waded into the fray looking to secure his signature. Herbie, very talented utility back, plays center right now, but can also play wing and fullback. And I think some people say he could even slot in at 5'8". Uh, but yeah, I've been a big fan of Herbie for a while. Uh, regardless of any rumors linking him to us, it would be a very good get. Yeah, I, I like Herbie. Um, he's, he's quick. He's ag- ag- agile. Um, probably needs to work on his passing a little bit and sort yeah. of setting up his outside player. Um, but the thing is... Like, when we got our full complement, I'm having Sean Russell, I'm having Bailey Simonson on the wings. I'm having Wanga Blake, I'm having Will Penasini in the centres. 
from having Gutherson at fullback. Uh, you know, as I, I think that um, whilst Herbie Farnworth could be a better player than a couple of those players right now, I just I don't think he's an elite player that you know you you move one of those players on for. I think it's an interesting point of contention insofar as how you're spending your cap resources externally. Um, that, that's why I was a big proponent of the Katoni Stags chase last year. I know he ended up getting a bit pricey, but if you're going to spend money externally, you want to be either big value guys that we've, we've done a great job identifying diamonds in the rough in the past for actual peanuts on the cap, or you want to be a big splash signing that's going to make a difference, right? And and I suppose you can argue that Herbie doesn't move the needle enough in that regard. So, yeah, I mean, good to see the club being proactive in the market, but I can understand where you're coming from, Ham, insofar as maybe what we have right now might be a better use of cap resources and then save a, a little war chest to go and get a, a real high-impact guy. I don't know. Interesting you say Sean Russell and Simonson, Ham. Does that mean Sivo's gone in your eyes? Or- well, he's a player option, right? Yeah, he's on a player option at the moment, which I think he'll probably take up. But, like... Say his contract ends this year, uh, even when he comes back, coming off an ACL injury, especially when you're a power explosive athlete like Sevo is, like that's gonna that's gonna be hard for him to come back from and like come back to the levels that we expect of him. Whereas I think that, you know, Shawnee Russell, I think he's got a big future. I think his future is a fullback. Um, but for the time being, you know, you, you gotta learn how to play first grade and he was doing a hell of a job he had on the wing. Now you've got me worried about um Hodgson now. Like I know the two different positions. Well, that but- that's the other the other piece of news that we didn't talk about is that it's been revealed that while Hodgson did sign what was initially billed as a two year uh deal with the Eels, it's actually a one plus one with the second year as a club option. So the Eels do have an early out if it ends up going that way, although that situation's obviously still very much in the air depending on his recovery in general. Uh but yeah, so a little bit of a twist to the Hodgson contract. You know, that, that- yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, 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 you go, mate. I was going to say, that actually works well. Like, I know we signed him before his injury, but we, we need to know how he's going to react first year off an ACL. Like, it, that could exactly. also... So it, it, adds, know, it adds a nice little bit of nuance to the contract for the Parramatta Reels um, with yeah. that club control for the second year. But anyway, boys, the podcast... Oh, sorry, is- I just, just on Hodgson. Oh, yeah? Um, even if we have him for the one preseason, I think, um, you know, he might not produce the results on the field or, you know, produce what we need on the field. But bringing in someone that's played from 400 games between Super League and NRL, I think. Jeez, that's like a that. lot. That's, you know, having that experience just in and amongst um, bringing young guys up, whether it's Brendan Hands, um, whether it's Jacob Davis, whether it's the Jersey flag dummy half, like just having him amongst the, the spine players. And, and you know, showing you know, what, what it takes where to Josh be. Hodgson was arguably top five player in the world. Yeah, no. 2016, yeah. he was absolutely in that conversation. Well, it was behind Cameron Smith as the second best hooker and in the well, league. Well, he was challenging Cameron Smith as the best hooker in the competition. Like, that's how good yeah. he was playing. Yeah. And so, you know, he's he is elite. I'm not saying that he will be elite in 2023. I, I, he would say he definitely won't be. But he knows what it, he knows what it takes to get to a grand final. And, he know, you know, the style of play that he had, I think, would complement our halves. So if he can... Um, pass that knowledge and pass those skills onto the younger players, well, then it's going to help them, even if it is only for the the one preseason. You got me with this big picture in my mind now, Ham, about how Josh Hodgson is elite with like the big AEW splash. <laughs> I, I like the club how they went that way instead of going the other way with a younger guy for a two year deal because how is he going to help the other people? So I don't mind them yeah. signing an old person. Like people say, oh, he's so old, he's washed up. Mate, look what happened. We got both Scott. And okay, what males, you know? There, there is value iffy. in having a, a steady older head uh, in your life. In your life. I mean, Especially David Gower, for God's sake, man, he yeah. was like 
you know, gospel. Yeah, and it's exactly. also a, you know I don't want to harp on too much about this. Um, a, a player other players can respect. Yep. yep. Because yep. like I'll just go back to West Ham right now. We've got Declan Rice as our club captain, but as soon as Mark Noble comes on the field, he rushes oh, on yeah. and gives him the the captain's band. That because yep. he, he he's res- taught respect. And Mark Noble's played 550 games for West Ham. So, you know, these younger guys coming through, you've got to show a bit of humility. You've got to show a bit of respect to your older, the elder statesman within the club. And just having a guy that's seen it all, done it all, you know, in a crisis is just a steady hand and a calm mind. And I think, you know, we, we talked about Reid taking the wrong options against Melbourne and, and then more recently against the West Tigers. Josh Hodgson will be the steady hand in those opportunities. So going to be uh, – Cool to see what he can bring to the club as a mentor as much as a player. But let's uh, move on to the previous boys because we do need to start powering for them. Let's start with a little bit of finals football. In the Natasha Gale, Parramatta Eels got the week off care of their top two finish in a top six competition. They come back this week to take on the Newcastle Knights. It was a top all top four finish actually in terms of our week till the finals. Uh, Eels, Roosters, Tigers and Knights getting through. Obviously it's the Roosters and the Tigers in the other game. But for Parramatta, they take on the Newcastle Knights on Saturday out at Nostrata Jubilee Stadium, 5 o'clock p.m. kickoff. And they're looking, I think, full strength here looking at this lineup. They, you know, barring that uh, injury to... Um, oh, God, the, the young prop who was killing him last year. Oh, uh, you mean, uh, I think she graduated too, but uh, you mean, um, oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, um, this is actually embarrassing. Um, it is. Now I need to now I need to think about this because uh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. She played the representative football. It I'll was, yeah, well, we'll, we'll keep moving on. Lasalo City of Pain. Lasalo City, City of Pain, yeah, she was fantastic. Uh, so, but, yeah. yeah. Barring sorry, her, sorry, it's a full strength team, and boy, what a team it is! Yeah, we're starting at fullback. You got Debbie Dewey on the wings, Tamir Aliardi and Alicia Bell, probably the best goal kicker, and if not the Tasha Gale in the NRLW. In the centres, it's Jacinta Tui and Patessa Leo, and that is just an incredible backline has been all season. In the halves, Talara Bamblett and Rosemary Beckett have been. I don't think they've had a bad game between them. Ham, they've been so good as a combination and so good individually. In the front row, Petalina Toa and Captain Ruby John Kennard will lead the way. With the powerful Ashley Pottinger at dummy half, you got Talisha Maeva, Kiana Lakeni, and Summer Tarari as part of that triumvirate of back roles that have been really impressive for you across the entire season. On the bench, it's Casey Q, uh, Melanukuo, Akawala, Lala, Catalina Vave, and they've only listed three players on New South Wales Rugby League, so I believe that Amina Kanj is the final player, or it could be Leilana Tua. Uh, so I'm not sure who the, the 17th player is here because uh, they've, they've sort of made a bit of a meal of their reserve bench here on the website. But yeah, I mean, if they play anywhere, anywhere near where they've played for the entirety of a season, Ham, you'd like to think they're going to book a spot in the grand final. You don't count your chickens before they hatch, and obviously the Knights are going to put up a hell of a fight. But th- this is a game where you talk about what we did against the West Tigers in the NRL and, and going back and, and, and sort of playing to who you are. If the Eels play to who they are here in this game, they're going to be playing in the grand final. Absolutely, and you know, like – this is the first final that our Tasha Gale team yeah, has huge, played. Huge moment for the competition club. Start. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got a good um, we've got a good halfback in there, Rosie Beckett. She was the centre last year for the St George Dragons, who I just had a look uh, beat the Newcastle Knights in this uh, corresponding game. So you so know they'll have uh, a few there? players backing up from there. But you know we've got Rosie Beckett there. She's been leading the team. Um, we've got a big, powerful, fast back line. Uh, Talara and Rosie, they're just being they're smart players, they're big, fast players, and our forwards has been rolling forward and smashing them. So, 
Now, unfortunately, I won't be able to get to this game because I'll be up in Newcastle. But I'll, it's a bit, it's a bit uh, coincidental that we're playing Newcastle, even in the Tasha Gale, <laughs> and it's a, it's a random pick. A little twist <laughs> to the uh, the plot there. And I will say that looking at the Newcastle lineup, Alyssa Shoulders might be one of the greatest rugby league names I've ever seen. So what is it? Alyssa Shoulders. So it's just <laughs> tackle for shoulders. Well, I, think I, mean, a, I think there was a junior that you guys said his name was like Dostramus or something like that. It was, some, it was like some weird name. It was like a junior guy in the 16s and 17s. Like, oh, I know I put so you guys on the spot. No, it was like Dostramus or... Oh, there's uh, the Dostramus twins. the twins, yeah, Dom and Raph. Oh, no. You know what? I'm sorry I put you on the spot, but I will find it. But it was, it was a good name. But yeah, that one kicks uh, off on Saturday at 5 o'clock p.m. I'm not sure if there's going to be a New South Wales Rugby League live stream. Um, in years past, they have tended to live stream grand final qualifiers. So hopefully that will be there. And if it is, we can get the details out. But that's going to kick off the action. Uh, and I've, hopefully the girls can prevail booking a spot in the big dance, who I, I imagine, uh, once again, not counting your, your chickens while they hatch in the case of Roosters here, but the, the Sydney Roosters, the Indigenous Academy has been the form team of the competition. I would expect them to knock over the West Tigers in the corresponding uh, other match. Yeah, they've, they've gone through undefeated, I believe, this year. And I think uh, half their for and against was caused by the Eels in round one, like they're against. And, uh, yes, and, you know, they made the grand final last year, so um, they'll be they'll be right up for it. Genesis, that's the guy's name. Oh, Genesis. Uh, Tualagi. Uh, Tualagi, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that was a cracker, though. That's like, <laughs> oh. You're going to go real far for a name like that. Yeah, continue back to the podcast. <laughs> Moving on to more senior football, starting with the Jersey flag. They're also taking on the Newcastle Knights as part of that uh, quadruple header, I suppose. Uh, but they're going to be playing on Saturday, but at Cessnock Sports Ground, not part of the main event on Sunday. Uh, Knights are actually in third place in this grade. This will be a good litmus test for the Eels with their troops back uh, after they rebound against the West Tigers, seeing how they can take on a team higher in the seating. They look like this with Corey Fenning captain the team from fullback. You've got Josh Tuopolotu and Torell Williams on the wings. Lockie Blackburn and Jabril Kalachi in the centres. That's a very good-looking back line. In the halves, they're back to full strength. Dantore Louie and Ethan Sanders, 5'8 and halfback respectively. Jack Colavati, David Tui and David Hollis are the front row. Still missing Cruz Natui Schmidt their hand, but David Tui's done a pretty reasonable job working as deputy there. In the back row, uh, Cruz's brother Felix Natui Schmidt is back. Peter Tateo uh, reprising his role in the flag this week with Brock Parker at lock forward. On the bench, Nicholas Lenars, Nikau Raffor, Taylor Mawala, and Larry Mwagatutia give the Eels plenty of muscle. So this is a good-looking team. Ben Olsen is the 18th man. And yeah, this Newcastle team obviously travelling pretty well, sitting in third. Eels are, I think, in seventh in this grade, just outside the top four. So a good chance to gain some ground back on those teams ahead of them. Uh, yeah, just good to see uh, Simon Wolf would have some troops back, man. He's been doing it tough until last week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to get up to this game. Um, I am going I'm, I'm relying Newcastle. you for updates, mate. Come on. Oh, Cessnock's a long way yeah, away. It's a trip. I, I know. Staying. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, that one kicks off 1.30 p.m. on Saturday. So it's actually the first game of the weekend for the Eels. Um, if Ham gets out there, we'll give you some feedback. But I believe that 60s might be able to give us some updates regardless. So um, at the very worst, we'll have to rely on um, old mate 60s for some information. That brings us to reserve grade, which will be the curtain raiser on Sunday out, out at McDonald Jones Stadium, kicking off at 11.30 a.m. Jeez, I'm just eating my words right now. 11.30 a.m. This one will be covered on Foxtel. So if you've got pay TV or KO, you should have access to this game. Uh, Eels looking to... Feed off that big winner of the West Tigers or Western Suburbs Magpies, sorry, in that grade. And um, they've got a couple of changes this week. Jordan Rankin will captain the team once again from fullback with Matthew Komalafi 
and Moala Graham Tafa uh, picked up earlier this season, had a couple of games in the flag. He's making his senior football debut for the Parramatta Eels. I think he did get one game of NRL for the Roosters, but this is his first senior action at the Eels. He'll be on the other wing, Zach Sini and Samuel Loizu in the centres. Worth mentioning him, I think you posted the stat. Matt Komalafi is the second leading try scorer or third leading try scorer in the competition after just a handful of games. Uh, yeah, that's true. I just had a quick look on the stats. And uh, first game, he scored one try. Second game, he scored two tries. Third game, three tries. So the double hat-tricks so. on the cards against Newcastle, clearly. Um, uh, yeah, or well, going Fibonacci sequence. <laughs> so he's going five and yeah. then eight and 13. <laughs> just exploding <laughs> exponentially there. Uh, in the halves, we've got a bit of a change. Jake Arthur will be playing at a role this week, at least prospectively, which means Brennan Hands shifts from dummy half to 5'8", showing his versatility. He'll partner Jack Williams there. In the front row, Kai Rodwell and Wiramu Greg will be on either shoulder of Mitch Drain, who drops back from NRL to Reggie's. On the back row, in the back row, it's unchanged from last week. Ellie Osgham and Dan Keir on the edges. Bryce Cartwright lock forward. And on the bench, I believe unchanged as well. Jaden Yates, Davina Tamuapenu, Luca Moretti and Ryan Jones. Although there is a cosmetic swap there of different jersey numbers, it is the same four team or same four interchange team that took on the Magpies. So good to see a bit of consistency there for the most part. They're taking on the Newcastle Knights, who, if I just check quickly, are uh, seventh. So this will be a good game for the Eels. Uh, obviously, they're in the top four here, four wins from uh, six starts. So a good strike right there. Had a couple of tough losses prior to their big bounce-back win against the Magpies. They're going to be looking to consolidate this week. And, I mean, Ryan Carr runs a really tight ship, so I'm looking forward to watching this one on Foxtel here. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, good to see a few players uh, returning. Good to see them uh, stick with a very similar team. So exciting match, and uh, hopefully they turn it on for those at home. Be interesting to see how Mawala Graham Tafa handles the promotion. Obviously, coming across from the top thirty in the Roosters, he had a bit of a uh, rough start for the Eels in sort of joining the team when they were down on trips. Uh, going back to that game against the Dragons, I think it was the second meeting there. Uh, but hopefully, he can produce a, a good game, and if not, you know, earn first grade selection, put himself in the outside conversation. Uh, give the Eels some more options out in the flank. Absolutely. And, you know, you look at that back line, three out of the four backs, all eligible for Jersey flag there. So Talking about that, uh, you know, pro- prioritising that development, exactly what we want to see. Um, yeah, and like I said, that one will be on Fox Delham. You'll be out at that game, won't you? Um, Ooh, yeah, um, I'm going with my grandparents, so I'm not sure how early they want to get out there. So Okay, well, you, you have the um, benefit of being able to watch on KO Foxtel or otherwise. Yeah, that's so. right. Moving on to the main event, and this one's kicking off at 2 o'clock p.m. at McDonald Jones Stadium. Pamariel's taking on the Newcastle Knights. It's 4th v. 11th. Newcastle coming off a real tough loss to the St. George Illawarra Dragons. So they're going to be looking to sort of try and put that behind them, plus the Kalen Ponga contract saga. Uh, they look like this with Kalen, the uh, aforementioned player at the heart of that saga, captain the team from fullback. Edric Lee and Anari Tuala are on the wings. Dane Gagai and Bradman Best in the centres. Jake Clifford and Adam Clune in the playmaking roles, six and seven. David Clemmer, Daniel Saifidi, and Chris Randall are the props and dummy half, respectively. In the back row, it's Tyson Frizzell, Brody Jones, and Kurt Mann. On the bench, Phoenix Crossland, Jacob Saifidi, Leo Thompson, and Suwaso Su. Their extended roster features are Simi Sasangi, Pasami Solo, Tex Hoy, Heimel Hunt, Jack Johns, Dylan Lucas, and Jaron Purcell. On the flip side, Parramatta, they've got a change or two this week. Quinn Gufferson, one of the two co-captains for the Eels, he'll be at fullback as always. Hayes Perham, officially named on the wing, sort of streamlining that backline conundrum that we spoke about in the review. Uh, he'll partner uh, Tom Opachik on the left side with Will Penasini returning to the right centre position where he'll be back reunited with Bowie Simonson. 
Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses unchanged in the halves as expected. Reagan Campbell-Gillard named, did roll his ankle in that game against the Tigers, so we'll have to monitor that situation, but he is still scheduled to play. <coughs> Excuse me. He'll partner Junior Paula, who returns from suspension with Reed Money at dummy half. Unchanged back row, which means it's Sean Lane, Isaiah Papali'i, and lock forward Nathan Brown. On the bench, Makahesi Makatoa, Ryan Madison, Oregon Kafusi, who drops back to make way for Junior Paulo, with the 17th man being Jake Arthur due to Mitch Rain going back to reserve grade. Extend the roster, Bryce Cartwright, Mitch Rain, Wiramu Greg, Kai Rodwell, Samuel Wizu, Ellie Osgaham, and Zach Sini. So a change or two there for the Eels, mostly straightforward. I think you boys would be happy to see that backline streamlined and going for the straightforward option there of Hayes Perham on the flank, Penasini at centre. How do we see this one playing out, boys? Newcastle looking to bounce back from that loss against the Dragons. And I'm trying to see, I'm trying to find out if it is old boys day. So bear with me while you boys talk. Oh, geez, I hope not. Um, don't tell us if it is. Schrodinger's old boys day. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, in the last game, the Knights, like, they were they were truly awful. And the only reason why they were in close with that game was the Dragons were just as bad as them. Um you know, they had some attacking down the right-hand side, um, but that side just leaked points. Um, or not leaked points per se, but... Well, no, they did. They had um, Matthew Figai scored down the left-hand side of the Dragons, so... And Moses Sully was just carving them up. So I think if we're going to go here, battle of the uh, front row forwards, you got old Davy Clemmer, former New South Wales prop, Daniel Saifidi, New South Wales prop, Tyson Frizzell, former New South Wales prop. They're going up against Reg who should be playing Origin this year. Junior will be playing Origin this year. And uh, Nathan Brown, former New South Wales prop as well. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a big, tough battle against Newcastle. They do want to bounce back. Um, we know that Caelan Ponga can um, can pull out the miracle. He might only do it once or twice in a game, but he can pull out a try or a try assist. So we need to watch out for that. Dane Gagai has been playing best club football. Yeah, he's been in fantastic form. Yeah, he's been. A, and it's funny because we were linked to him last year and there was a bit of, uh, I think, consternation about signing, you know, an, an old and washed up Gagai, but he's really proven the doubt is wrong. So, yeah, you know, we, I don't think we need to take him super seriously, but if we complete it, it's an easy game. Complete our sets, get to the kick, good kick chase, defend for five. You know, you complete at 85% and above, which we have done this year. And we'll win this game quite comfortably. But depends if we want to go in there. If we want to play cute, if we want to play soft, well, then it'll be like the Tigers game all over again. Fair summation, Ham. Uh, Bertie, I can I can inform you guys that I believe it is not all boys there. I think that the Anzac Day celebrations have saved us that particular handicap this week. They're going to be celebrating, obviously, uh, the men and women who contributed to the armed forces uh, in Australia's history. So no all boys day. Does that change your outlook on this game, mate? <sighs> I don't know, to be honest. I, 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 it's just, uh, no, I don't think so because, you know, I, we joke about the old boys there, but like Newcastle, you know, playing there on a Sunday, like they just, you know, that's just their perfect, that's what they want. That's their time, you know, the time of Sorry, that's the game they want to play every year, every week, sorry. Um, look, I think they're a better team than West Tigers, and I'm not disrespecting West Tigers. You know, you look at Caleb Ponga, like he, he's a Queensland fullback. Like he's he has the X factor to change the game, right? You look at the semi-final uh, last year, you know, he set up the first try of a nice, beautiful cut-out p- pass. Like, I just feel as though we have to nullify him. You know, he's not Tom Turbo level, but, you know, kick it to the corners, you know. Um, target um, Inari Tuala. You know, it's just, if we take them wildly, we're going to get flogged. You know, you look at Bradman Best, the try set up on the week, he just ran around um, Lomax and the winger. Like, it's just, 
they got plenty of striker next factor in that team. You know, you, you, you guys mentioned Dan Gagai. You know, he could be by the season so far. But I just, you know, and their forward pack, they're not, they're not easy beats. It's, you know, so we, we have to, if we're not going to respect Tigers, we have to respect this team. We're going to their, we're going to their stadium, you know, they're going to have a packed crowd. Maybe we should have, we should ambush them. But yeah, um, you know, with Hayes name, I, I, look, looking at this team list, our weakest spot is Hayes Perham, and I'm fine with that. And maybe Jacob Arthur on the, you know, on the bench. But hey, if we don't use Jacob Arthur, I'm okay with that. But you know, I'm very happy with your Makatoa and our Kafusi on the bench. Like we got three forwards on the bench, and I'm happy with that. That's all I wanted. So you know, for maybe Brad Arthur's been you know spying on me or something because that's all I've asked for. <laughs> Hayes in the wing and free props. Bugged your phone. Yeah, I gotta you know put some sticky tape on that. But yeah, no, I think we'll we'll bounce back. You know, we have to bounce back. If yeah. we don't bounce back, I don't know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's gonna be tough. I'm looking forward to uh, best V Penasini round two. Uh, Will definitely got the better of him in that elimination final last year in the, in uh, week one of the finals, and just just seeing what Will's been doing, I think he, he is so close to just having a monster game. Um, you you look at his carries against the West Tigers, and yeah, he struggled defensively on the wing, but he was just shrugging them off left and right. So looking forward to him having a big game out there on the right centre role. And I think your boys summed it up. This is a game about getting right, getting back to the fundamentals, playing Parramatta football. You know, high completion rates taking your opportunities and they present themselves and and I, I don't know just like just playing with greater fluency I think that's been a bit of an issue last couple of weeks even if the results have largely gone out gone our way I think this will be the game where we just need to refocus our efforts on playing fluent football I think so too roll, you know roll it up the middle get to our edges and I think you know I think the Knights are a bit shaky on the edges mm-hmm. despite them being full strength good good call there all right, speaking of good calls, let's make our calls for this game. Starting with you, Bertie, first try scorer, end result. How do you see it all playing out on Sunday? Yeah, first try, I'm going to keep backing him. You know, Will Pinasini, you know, for a rookie, he, he doesn't have those ups and down games where he's, you know, dynamite one week and, you know, shit outs next. He's very consistent, and I like that. You know, he's building his game, he's improving. So I feel as though, you know, he'll get on the board. Um, I think we're going to win this game. I'm going to be a bit modest, you know, a bit humble. I reckon 22. Um, 12, you know, close game, and I think we'll lead the whole way, and um, yeah, just a bounce-back performance, high completion rate, you know, I'm tipping, and yeah, I bet you that's what Brad Arthur will be focused on this week, you know, don't, don't drop the ball, because I'll be making it simple, you drop the ball, you're walking home. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> oh, it's a long walk, and um, yeah, other than that, uh, yeah, let's just, you know, put in a performance, you know, it's Anzac Day or Anzac Weekend, you know, put in a performance, you know, make us all proud, and uh, yeah, just, 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 just don't give up, try your best, and I'll be okay with that. Ham, call your shots, mate. FTS, Hayes Perham. Ooh, we do like playing to our left. We like playing to our left, and I just think the the Dragons really exploited that left-hand side. What I think will happen, uh, Dill, he's been putting on the left foot step. It's time for the right foot step the to go back up. on, the, on yeah. the outside shoulder. Okay. So, and then he'll cut out, you know, or maybe, you know, because got to remember, Ponga likes taking the intercept. We've got to remember that. Two on it's one. True. That's all he does is die for the ball for the bat down or intercept. That's what he's going to do. So Damien runs. So he'll either be Hayes Perham and my backup one, Dylan Brown. <laughs> and uh, points for Parramatta will score 20. Or did Bertie say that? Uh, it's a 22 12. Okay. Parramatta will score 20. The Knights will score 8. Hmm. Yeah, I think we're all in a similar sort of mindset here about having a solid but not explosive win while focusing on the defensive side of the ball because my winning margin was going to be 22-4 with the Knights missing their conversion and the Eels hitting the penalty goal. Uh, but for my first try scorer, I mean, we gave him a wrap in terms of starting to finally speak the club. I'm going to go with Bowie Simonson. 
Eels will go to the opposite edge this week, even though they do love playing to their left. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll back Bowie to get first try scorer this week. Very uh, good. All righty, boys. That's a, a pretty well-tempered podcast, all things considering. I think we uh, we sucked up that tough loss to the Tigers pretty well, and we, we put the boys on blast as needed. And I think we can look forward to getting things right this week against Newcastle. So on that note, I think we'll wrap things up. Oh, hang on. Before we go, I've got a very, very uh, controversial topic. Uh-oh. You guys hear about that um, guy who got sacked for choosing pizza over a chicken salad? I did. I saw your post on that one. <laughs> Can I just say, pizza hand 10 times out of 10. No, a thousand times out of a thousand over a chicken salad. The only pizza I won't take is a margarita pizza because I think it's bland. But Mar- come on. Margarita of garlic, mate. That is the truth. Get a bit of garlic on there and all of a sudden it's a real pizza. Yeah, but imagine, and what's funny is they've released a statement. I know they're not you know, a professional outfit. They released a statement saying, oh, he had three strikes. And he goes, no, I didn't. I had no strikes. So, like, it's just, uh, imagine getting sacked over a chicken salad. <laughs> That's rough. That is rough. This podcast brought to you by pizza. Yeah. Enjoy yeah. pizza. Big pizza. Eat responsibly. It's like someone saying to hand the Winnie chip roll is rubbish. I'd rather have hey, the veggie hey, myself. Hey, oh, hey, hey. words, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but on that note, as always, thanks for stopping by and giving a few lunatics uh, a listen. We'll catch you guys in the next episode. Here's how to go, Para. Laters.